You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. So here's the deal. Some episodes are like really fun and goofy and silly. And then other episodes are a little bit more like intense. This isn't necessarily an intense episode, but I will say that it's an episode with so much truth in it. You're going to probably want to listen to it twice. It is all about people pleasing, or should I say how to stop people pleasing? Karen Eman wrote this new incredible book called When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable, How to Break This Pattern of People Pleasing and confidently live your life. And can I say, (laughs) it is so needed. If you are a people pleaser, wherever you are, put your hand up. I have so many friends who have sat down with me and we've talked about this struggle we have with saying no and when to say yes. And how do you say no without it seeming harsh? How do you still keep a friendship when you have to maybe let a friend down? Are there times that you need to say yes, even though you don't want to say no? Or times you need to say no when you really would love to say yes? Karen is giving us so many incredible answers to all these questions that I know that a lot of us have. She is a New York Times bestselling author and she's written amazing devotionals. But just like us and so many other women, Karen has also struggled daily with people-pleasing. She just got tired of focusing on everyone else's priorities rather than her own, becoming constantly available and people depending on her. So she finally took a pause, a deep breath, and prayed about what it looked like to actually start saying no, and she came out of that season with a new ability to discern and decide what actually pleases God rather than people. And man, it is the truth. She's sharing this journey with us, so many practicals, and more in today's episode. Any exciting things going on? Yes, something very exciting. (laughs) I just found out that I'm going to be a grandma for the first time. No way. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. So in the middle of the cold Michigan winter, just after Christmas, uh, our first grandchild will make his or her way into the world. And oh, we're super God. pumped about it. That is so cool. Wow. I have full body chills. That is a great time to have a kid too. I mean, with the holidays and just the excitement of all that, that season already contains, then to just like add a life to it. That's going to yeah. be so yeah. fun. In fact, when I was younger, I, I never knew that there was actually a thing called sad seasonal affective disorder. I just knew that when I was younger, like in middle school, high school, college, I just always kind of got the blues. My mom used to call them the blues in January and February. But two of our three kids were born, one in January, one in February, right in the middle of the winter. And it really did kind of help you have something to look forward to when the holiday rush was over and you kind of have that letdown. And then, you know, at least here in Michigan, we're facing three solid months of cold and dark and snow and ice it it made it you know have a little something fun to look forward to so now we'll have another January baby so 100% January babies are the best I'm a January baby I love Uh, January it's it's so fun yeah and then too like once the season and it starts warming up again they'll be at the most fun age to do walks summertime it's going to be a blast that is just that's a really cool lineup you've got going on yeah we're looking forward to it Yes. Well, you have a lot of other fun things going on. So 
grandchild, absolutely. I think that takes the cake 1000%. But you also have a really awesome project, this new book called When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable. And if, if anyone's wondering, it's amazing. It's all about how to break the pattern of people pleasing and confidently live your life. People pleasing, it, it's, um, it's a disease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, I think there's a lot of us that struggle with people pleasing, me included. So I think this conversation selfishly is going to be one of my absolute favorites. But I, I'm, I'm just glad that you also were a people pleaser. And you, I feel like you are the perfect person to have this conversation with. So I want to hear kind of what what moment was it for you that you thought, oh, yeah, man, like there's other people out there like me that need to know a little bit about this process and what the Lord has to say about it that prompted you to write this book? Well, I've always known that I was a people pleaser. I mean, even way back in elementary school, I always wanted to be liked and I didn't want to upset anybody. And I knew like even growing up and going to college and getting married and having kids and being an adult, I knew I was a people pleaser, but I kind of justified it by saying, oh, but it's just because I love people and I love Jesus and Mm -hmm. I want to serve and I want to help. And I had all these noble reasons for doing it. And yet I knew that I was stretching myself too thin. I knew that I was saying yes to things that I should have been saying no to, but for appearances sake, you know, to keep up that image of being compassionate and competent and confident and capable, I just kept saying yes. And so I should have stopped years ago, but what it took for me was really saying yes to so many things that it wasn't just affecting me emotionally, But I started to have some physical things happening as well. I wasn't able to sleep. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and like feelings of panic that would come out of nowhere. I don't know if they were actually panic attacks because I don't know exactly like what that all entails. But I just knew for me, I would just suddenly feel anxious and I would think why. And I would go because I have so much to do and how am I ever going to do it? So finally, about three years ago in the summer, after saying yes to something, my best friend from college, I've been friends with her for golly, over a quarter century, had wanted me to do that summer that was going to entail me doing something a couple times a week. wasn't something huge, but it was something constant. I I said yes to her. My mouth said yes, but my brain was saying, you should say no, you should say no. Mm -hmm. And I said yes. And I remember I just like broke. I thought, what am I doing? I'm already not able to sleep. I have these feelings of anxiety. My left eye is twitching. Why in the world did I just say yes to another thing? And so I just really dove into scripture. I just threw myself at the feet of the Lord and said, help me stop this. I can't seem to stop. And my goodness, was he faithful to show me so many things in scripture, so many things that I was um, doing for wrong motives. And I started to, to learn, well, it started first with a season of what I call necessary. And no, I said no to everything that wasn't necessary for my, my family, my home and my, my ministry, my job. I did only what was necessary. And I said no to everything else for a whole entire summer. I had to be that radical and like wipe everything off of my plate to realize how overcommitted I was. And then to place back on my plate only the things God had for me, not what I was doing so that someone else would like me or so that I wouldn't upset someone. And uh, it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like a lot of us believe the lie that like you were mentioning earlier, people pleasing is good and it's us serving one another and being kind. But when in fact, that's not why we were created. So what is this balance between serving one another, being kind, 
versus ending the spiral of people pleasing and constantly being available and like getting to the end of ourselves, pouring out everything we have. Yeah, you see, people pleasing actually, it's a strength that gets carried to an extreme Mm. that now becomes, well, in our family, we don't call them weaknesses. It now becomes a non-strength. Okay. But let's just say weakness (laughs) for the sake of the listeners, for the sake of the listeners, let's say a weakness. So it's a strength that gets carried to an extreme that now becomes a weakness. I mean, that happens in a lot of areas in our life. You know, someone like me who loves to talk and is a great conversationalist, that's a strength, but then carried to an extreme, I can dominate conversations and I can, you know, talk so much. I don't let someone else have a word in edgewise, right? Or somebody who's really laid back and easygoing, that's a great strength. They're so agreeable. But if they take it to an extreme, it becomes passivity. So with people pleasing, it's that strength of loving others and wanting to serve and wanting to be Jesus' hands and feet and wanting to help. But when we don't draw a line somewhere, but we just keep doing it because of, either wanting to not upset someone, not disappoint them, not even maybe make them angry at us, or because we want them to like us, now we are over-serving, we are uh, overdoing, and we are doing these helpful things, not because we feel God's called us to, but because we know the other person expects us to. So then we stop living our life based on what God is calling us to do. And we start living our life based on the opinions and expectations of others. Mm. That is where loving and serving crosses the line to people pleasing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The motive. Yeah. You mentioned wrong motives and this hit home. Cause I think when I people please people, if, if I'm being completely honest, I think I have this deep rooted belief. It's really just a mix up in my theology. Like I have this deep rooted belief that I can show up faster for them than God can, or I can fix their problems the way they need it to before the Lord can. I I step in his way and, Mm -hmm. or it's a fear that I, that if I don't help them, that I won't be liked and I don't have anything to offer them. So they have no need for me when reality that is a pride issue as well, like needing to be needed or Mm -hmm. like wanting to prove yourself to people. And that is I'm being very vulnerable. (laughs) That is very much like the blackness of my own heart. And so I feel like that's something Mm. other people can agree with that that a lot of times I love that. It's the motive. Is it I'm doing this because it really is me wanting to serve them and help them and to show up in a space for them? Or is it to be like, hey, hi, it's Rachel. I'm the best. Don't forget, you know? And I think that Mm -hmm. that is the difference. I love that. Yeah. Because we know that Christians are supposed to meet needs and answer the call, you know, we wrongly surmise that every need is our call. Hmm. Like, you know, there's a need out there. Oh, I have to meet it. And one thing a mentor of mine, oh my goodness, she told me years ago, but I really just in probably the last three to five years have started living it. Is She said, you need to remind yourself that every need is not necessarily your call. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's called to do it. But it not it doesn't have to always be you. It's not necessarily you. And when you say yes to something that God hasn't called you to, then you're actually taking the blessing away from the person that God meant to do that job in the first place. Yes. So we need to remind ourselves, you know, every need's not necessarily my call. And and I will even say that sometimes to people when I'm telling them no, I'll say, you know, I know you have a need. But I have to remind myself that every need is not my call because I'm just one of these people that wants to swoop in and fix everything. Mm-hmm. So I've prayed about it. I don't feel like this is my job to do, but I will do two things for you. I will brainstorm with you about who else might be able to meet this need. 
and I'll, you know, see if I can come up with some suggestions and I will definitely be praying for you yeah. that you find the person that's supposed to meet that need. But honey, it ain't me. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it ain't me. It Whereas ain't before, me. yeah, before I would, I would feel like I couldn't be honest with them and I would just have to say yes, just to keep up my reputation of being right. so capable. And, you know, Karen's the one that can always fix it. You know, I, I don't know how much you are into personality types and tests and all this, but you know, I've taken a gazillion of them and I've always come out, whatever test, you know, wants to call it um, or whatever the test wants to call it as somebody who equally loves getting things done and loves helping people out. And that's a bad combination for people pleasing because I do like to help people and people know I like to get things done and I'll do it and I'll do it quickly and I'll try to do it right. So they come to me with their problems because, oh, Karen will fix it. She loves to help and she'll get it done. Yeah. And so it can be, you know, one of these these traps that we get caught in where we're trying to keep up an image and perpetuate the image. That's why we keep saying yes, not because we necessarily feel that need is our call. Right. But it kind of helps keep up our reputation. And then you become the yes girl. So then next time they need something, they're like, oh. Karen will do it. Like mm-hmm. Rachel will do mm-hmm. it. And then they come back, come back, come back. Then it becomes even harder to say no because there's the weight is building. You, you've done Enneagram work, mm-hmm. haven't you? Mm-hmm. Speaking of personality yeah. tests. Okay. Yeah. So are you a three wing two, two wing three? Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Three wing two. Takes one to know one. I'm a three wing yep. two as well. Uh, you're just are reading my mail. I'm like, wow, she's snooping. Yeah. But it's just because we're similar and, and this people pleasing and yeah, it's just the truth. Like you want to get things done, but you want people to be happy. And so it is a weird thing to teeter and can be really dangerous too, because when it goes well, it's really hard to give God the glory because you're like, look what I did. Yeah. yeah. And it sets up the, the thing for me that was probably the most eye opening, Rachel, is that when we keep behaving this way, we are setting up a pattern yeah. in our life. And I've heard it said before by so many different people. Um, I think the original person that said it was Tony Gaskins Jr., but I've heard different variations of this phrase. You teach people how to treat you. You do. You teach them how to treat you. And so what you and I do is we we have done is we have taught people when you have a problem, go to one of those girls. They'll get it done. They like to help. They'll take it off your plate. You know, even if they don't have time, they'll still say yes. We have taught people how to treat us. And so they get quite bewildered when all of a sudden we say, well, let me pray about it. I don't know if I can help or not. And they look at you like, what? Like you never say, let me pray. You always (laughs) just say yes. And so, you know, as much as it was kind of um, nerve wracking for me to start saying no to people when I, when I really felt that I should, I I thought, you know, my goodness, I'm going to ruin all these relationships. It actually, it didn't ruin any relationships it weeded them out. Like mm-hmm. the people who still love me and who wanted to be my friend because they wanted to be my friend for sure are still around, yeah. you know, but the other people whom I had taught how to treat me, I had taught that Karen is the rescuer yeah. extraordinaire and she's going to pull you out of whatever jam you've gotten yourself in. When I started saying no to them, they just disappeared because wow. I, I realized that the reason they were coming to me wasn't because they loved me and they loved my company and they wanted to be my friend. It was because I could do something for them. And so it's been really freeing because, you know, if somebody only wants to be your friend because of what you do for them, are they really a true friend in the first place? No, they're not. But, you know, the people that that I was really worried about disappointing, you know, friends that I've had for decades they were fine. They were like, you know what? I've been waiting for you yeah. to, <laughs> to, to stop people pleasing. Yeah. And it's okay. I'll find somebody else to take care of 
whatever problem I asked you to help me with. You know, I care more about your mental health and, you know, about your well-being than I do about getting this done. It'll get done. I'll find somebody. And they're still my friends to this day. Oh, it's so good. That's awesome to hear. Uh, I, I, I'm so curious though. When do you discern, like what kind of process do you use to discern between when it's time to say yes and when it's time to say no? Because there is also this balance of being obedient, right? Like there's of course going to be things you do not want to do, but it is what obedience looks like in that season. And then there's going to be things that you do want to do, but that's actually not what you're called to do. So how do you know when to say yes, when to say no? Because that seems a little overwhelming. Right. Because, you know, I don't want to paint this picture that, you know, especially that this book is just all about how to say no, no, it's it's about how to discern when you're supposed to say yes and you're supposed to say no. So I think number one is just to overall be very deliberate in your life to pray about daily decision-making. I mean, every day say, Lord, help me to know today when it's you tapping me on the heart, telling me to meet a need. And when it's me just wanting to do it so somebody will like me, help me to know and help me to be brave enough to speak the truth in love and to say, you know, while I would absolutely love to help you out with this problem and my heart wants to say yes, the reality of my bandwidth in my schedule and my life right now, it it just means that I have to say no, but I will be praying that Mm -hmm. you find that person, you know? So I think making it a matter of prayer, of course, you know, if it's something that's going to violate something that's laid out in scripture. We're going to say, no, that's an easy one. Um, I think we need to also do that old fashioned pro and con list. Sometimes I don't know if I'm supposed to say yes or no. Um, And I kind of get mixed signals like, well, maybe I should, and maybe I shouldn't. And so I'll just get out a legal pad and a pencil and I'll sit down and make a pro and con list. If I say yes to this, what are the pros? What are the cons? And also if I say no, what are the pros? What are the cons? And then also I think we need to factor in when we say yes to something, what it's going to do to our other commitments. Because see, this is what happens, Rachel. We women, we I, I call it the curse of capability. We are so capable that it's become a curse. And we just are so sure, even though we're holding our plate and it's chock full of so many commitments, you know, when we're asked to take on something new, we don't ever remove something from our plate before we put the new thing on, right? nor yes. do we, nor do we think about, uh, you know, maybe we should say no to this one because we just think we're so clever and capable that if we rearrange everything, somehow it's, it'll fit. we're going to make it'll it all work. fit. Yeah, yeah. It'll make yeah. it all fit. So we need to realize that there are going to be commitments in our life and there are going to be people in our life that are affected if we say yes to something new. So we need to think that through, you know, as well. And, and also to, um, we can delegate things. Maybe God is calling us to take on something new. So we need to look at our plate and say, is there something on my plate that I could delegate to someone else or just let go of? Um, I have a friend who taught me to ask myself with every time I'm going through this, this time of feeling like I'm overcommitted, ask yourself, what can only I do? Yes. What can only I do? Like only I, you know, can go sit and watch my son at his football game or, you know, only I can be a grandma to this new baby that's coming. But, you know, somebody else could get my groceries yeah. if I want to sign up for a free, you know, right. not, not, not deliver them to your house, but I do the one where it's free and all they, they just get them for you and they bring them to your car. Yes, you know, the that pickups. saved me. How did we yeah. ever do it without the pickups? <laughs> I know. I, although I do love to grocery shop, but there's some days yeah. and weeks that I just think I can't. So I need to delegate that. Or, you know, is there something else I could delegate to someone else? You someone know, I can have, mop your floors. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or I have like, you know, books that need to be mailed out. Well, it doesn't have to be me. I'll sign the books and tuck them in the envelope, but somebody else can address them and somebody else can take them to the the post office. So this somebody else is my husband. He likes doing that kind of thing. He's got some downtime when he's home from work in the evening. So why did I always feel like I had to do it all myself? You know, so ask yourself, what can you, can you delegate? And, and I think too, that um, we need to solicit the input from others that are godly and that love us and that care about us. And if we're truly having a tough time deciding if we should say yes, or if we should say no to a commitment, process it with a really close mentor or friend and have them maybe see it from an angle that you're not looking at it from. That's good. I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever, cause I feel like this would be me. Have you ever accidentally said yes when you meant to say no and you had to go back and change your answer? Cause I think that I have this idea that once you say yes, you're stuck. What really you can be bold and brave. And I want to hear if that's ever happened to you. And how did you like, how'd you navigate that? I don't know if I've, accidentally said yes when I meant to say no but what I've done is I've over explained okay my no yeah I've over explained and I've talked too much and I've given too much backstory and so I my words said no but that person kind of thought you know there's still a crack in the door here yes. like they were given all these different excuses for why they should say no like oh I'm sorry this is just okay so this one just happened to me so it was somebody that wanted me to endorse their book And I don't know the person. I've never heard of them. Their book sounded delightful. They sounded delightful, but it just, it just wasn't a fit. And I'm not really in the business for the most part of endorsing a book by somebody I don't personally know. Sometimes I have done it. Sometimes I have done it. So I'm not going to say I never do it, but I don't typically do it. And so instead of just saying, oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored that you asked, but my answer is going to have to be no. I over explained. Well, this just isn't a good time right now. You know, I see that it's due by such and such date. And I'm just really busy because I've got my own Bible study I'm filming right now. And, and then we just moved to this house and blah, blah, blah. And I like over explained, well, that person came back and they knocked down every single reason that I gave. Yeah. Oh, I can give you extra time. It's not due on such and such date. It I will be give flexible. you six more weeks. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and, oh, it doesn't have to be, you know, three paragraphs long. They only want one paragraph. If you'll do it, they'll take what, you know. And so everything that I over explained, they came back and they shot it all down. So now I kind of got forced to say yes, even though I didn't want to. Now, luckily, uh, my assistant stepped in and said no for me. She said, thank you so much for trying to uh, arrange for it. But I'm sorry, you know, Karen's answer is going to have to stand. But in retrospect, I should have just gone back and said what I truly felt in my heart, which was. I am so proud of you for writing this book. I am in your corner cheering you on. It sounds amazing. You sound phenomenal. I will be over here rooting for you hard, but I just don't have the bandwidth to give this request the proper attention it deserves. So my answer is going to have to be no. Now, see how easily I just said that to you. Incredible wording. Yes, round of applause. Yeah, so why couldn't I say that to them? I felt like I had to give all this backstory. I had to give all these reasons for my no. You don't. You don't owe them an explanation for why you're saying no, but you will owe God an explanation for why you said yes, you know? So, so we need to just quit over explaining and offering too much backstory. And if we feel like the answer is to be no, we just simply need to say, thank you so much for asking. Unfortunately, 
I can't give this the attention it deserves, so I'm going to have to say no. Yes, that's good. I think that it's so important to have these ideas and strategies and maybe even like a template. This sounds, this kind of sounds weird because I'm not asking to be a robot, but if you have like some kind of idea of how to say no and you practice it and it's like a thing, then it becomes less awkward and less clunky and it becomes just a natural practice. Like I say yes and I say no. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen to be one of the wishy-washy, like, people can convince you kind of things. One of the things we do in our family is if I'm asked, like, hey, like, you should come hang out. We're having a girls' night on Thursday. would love for you to come, blah, blah, blah. And if they're expecting an answer on the spot, I always throw out the, I I need to ask my husband just because our time is limited these days with our newborn. I just would love to run that by him first. Do you mind? And it Mm. gives me a little bit more time. One, it honors my family. But then, two, it gives me more time to figure out how to say no. If I, mm-hmm. if I didn't feel like I had those words at the moment. So it's always okay, in, in my opinion, I'd love your opinion, to delay, right? Like it's okay to, to say, I don't have an answer for you now, but I will come back around with one. Or like, let me think through this and give you the needed you know, time to process this because I, I really think that you deserve the best. I don't know if this is going to be my best. Let me figure that out first. I don't think that it has to be like the on-the-spot thing. Yeah. In fact, I almost always now say I need, you know, one to three days, whatever I feel is appropriate for the ask to think about it and pray about it and talk it over with my husband. And then I'll get back with you. And if they say, oh, I really need to know today, then the answer is always no. Uh, Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. My mom always said that growing up. I'd expect it. I'm like, mom, 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 mom. Can I go play? Can I go play? And she's like, I need, give me five minutes. And I'm like, mom, mom, like they're outside right now. She's like, if you need an answer from me now, it will be no. But if you can wait, it might be a yes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and it's the same as adults. We have to be okay with waiting, pausing, reflecting, praying. Hello. I forget so many times just to pray about it. And the Lord will take away the peace or give me the peace needed to have the discernment in the first place. I just, I, it becomes a Rachel thing and it's not supposed to be a Rachel thing. You know, mm-hmm. I just need to yeah. say if people are kind of nodding their head relating to this conversation, like I am, and I'm sure they are, then please just like pause and go put this in your cart when making other ha- others happy is making you miserable because there's so much more strategy in this book than we could even fit in this conversation. And it deserves, it deserves to be on your bookshelf 100%. But something you mentioned in your book is the seven stop it statements for recovering people pleasers. What does that mean? And I want you to kind of share a few of your favorites just to give them a teaser of what's inside. Yeah, these are little one-sentence sermons I preach to myself sometimes <laughs> that have been really helpful in me in this road to recovery of, you know, learning to not be such a people pleaser. And so one of them is this, don't take on more than you can pray for. And I had a, a sweet friend say this to me one day, you know, she said, with every new thing you say yes to, there are going to be new people Hmm. in your life, new projects, new responsibilities, new tasks. And that's going to add more to your prayer list that you need to pray about and people you need to pray for. So if you don't have the space to pray about another thing adequately and properly and thoroughly, then, then don't say yes to it. Another one is their assign or their happiness is not your assignment. Their happiness is not your assignment. We think it is. We think it's our job to make everybody happy, but it's not your assignment to make someone else happy. It's God's job to bring them joy. And that's a totally different thing. Here's another one that, oh my goodness, I learned this when I had a friend who felt that she and her husband, they, they truly felt that God was calling them to do foster care and perhaps maybe even adopt some children out of foster care. And they were met with such opposition by somebody in their family. And it, 
it really crushed their spirit. They just were like, why are they not supporting us in this? And I remember her sitting with me as we were having coffee and processing it a few weeks after she found out they were not supportive. She had like a different attitude. And I'm like, you, you seem like you've turned a corner in this whole thing and you're going forward and you don't seem upset anymore. And she said, why? Or I said, why? And she said, because I finally realized I don't need their permission to do God's will. And you don't, you don't need someone else's permission to do God's will. If God's really calling you to do something, because see one half of people pleasing is we say yes to something we, we know someone else wants us to do, but we really don't feel like it's our call, but we say yes to them. Another half of people pleasing is that God might be calling us to do something to say yes to God, but we fear doing it because we know it's going to be met with disapproval by somebody else. Mm. And so that stop it statement, that one sentence sermon is so important that you don't need that person's permission to do God's will. And then I think probably my other favorite of the seven is this, and I've learned this so thoroughly in these last three years, is that you can still say yes to a friendship while saying no to a friend. Because I used to think if I say no to that friend, I'm damaging that relationship. There's going to be this awkwardness that's never going to go away. And I just, so I got to keep saying yes to keep the friendship up, but you can say no to a, a request from a friend, but still say yes to the friendship. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have so to true. always say yes to them every time. And like you said earlier, I mean, if the friendship is, is legitimate and is built on a great foundation, then hopefully they have the maturity enough to think, okay, I respect the fact that she gave me the appropriate answer and not hold it against you or keep tabs or whatever it looks like in a toxic friendship. Yeah. It's a good way to weed them out. Yes, absolutely. Do you have a fun testimony or like a story about, you know, maybe when this went really well and you saw the fruit from it on the other side? Cause I love stories like that. Well, I just, I just think that that, that friend from college that asked me, you know, back when I was having all those physical manifestations, you know, she asked me to do something and, and I said, yes. And then I realized I needed to say no. And I went back, you know, I look back over that whole, uh, that whole scenario and just to see how she was able to give me such a gift by not just looking at the situation. When I went back and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to back out of it and have to say no. She was able to look beyond her need at the moment for somebody to, to give a yes to that, that, things she needed help with and to look at our friendship and my mental health and, and, you know, what it was doing. I mean, besides just having, you know, that feeling of, Oh, I've got too much on my plate. My, my dad had just passed away. We had just moved to a new town and I had just become a mother-in-law for the first time. So I had all this stuff going on in my life Mm. besides just having this too full plate. And for her to look beyond her need and, and her desire to have someone help her, but to see me in my situation and say, it's okay. You know, this didn't surprise God. He'll figure out somebody to help me. I care more about you. That was such a gift. And it was such um, a booster for me to have hope for the future that I don't have to keep doing this, this uh, little dance with people of they give me an ask and I say yes. And let's go another round. Let's just keep doing it. I, I can break that pattern. And the people that love me are still going to be my friend. It was so, I can't even tell you how freeing it was because I really thought when I start to stand up for myself and I start to say no once in a while, my friends list is going to dwindle down to my husband and the family dog. And we don't even have a dog. <laughs> you know? So, But it was really, you know, such a, a, 
eye-opening time for me to see that those people who truly love me for me, they're going to be okay when I quit saying yes to their every request. Mm -hmm. This is such a good conversation for not only people learning and knowing and discerning when to say yes, when to say no, but it's also a great perspective. Like, be the friend that gives, that grabs and gives the grace. Be the friend who receives a no well. This is a good for both sides of this in a relationship. Like, be okay with the no, respect and honor it, but then also be okay delegating and saying no. It can go both ways. Absolutely. And that's what makes relationships healthy. That's what frees us up to do all the things for the kingdom God's calling us to, that we can actually give them our our actual yes and to mean it and to do it well with excitement and all the things. Gosh, Karen, this is so good and so needed. And I'm just, yeah, so grateful for this conversation. I'm leaving with so many nuggets. I'm going to have to re-listen and journal it for myself because this was just so oh. good. So good. So I know that our friends listening are oh, just in it. And so excited to start this if they haven't already. But I want you to tell us where we can find when making others happy is making you miserable and more about you online. Well, the easiest way is to just go to my website, KarenEman.com, and Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there I have links to all the different places where the book is sold. I also sell them myself. So if they want it to be worth a quarter more at their garage sale, I'll make it out to them and sign it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And, and have my husband mail it because he's the one that mails the Freshly most. stamped, um, yes. Yeah. But so, yeah. And then you can also find all my social media handles at KarenEman.com as well. Yay. And my favorite final question to ask, what is something you are loving these days that our friends need to know about? Could be anything. Well, because I've stopped people pleasing so much, I've freed up a little time in my schedule that I've, so I've actually been able to take back up a hobby. What Anybody is it? Remember hobbies. When I was in middle school and high school, my mom taught me to embroider and my mom passed away just a couple months ago and I inherited her sewing box, which was my grandmother's, her mother's sewing box at first. And so now it's gone to the third generation and I opened it and I thought, look at all this thread. I'm going to learn how to, or I'm not going to learn. I'm going to pick back up and, and relearn how to embroidery. So I try about a half hour a day to just shut my brain off and do something creative that, you know, is just for pure enjoyment. Plus I'm getting a jump start on my Christmas list because I'm, you know, wow. going to make some little, little projects for people in my life. So that's, that's what I'm loving right now. This is amazing. That is one of my favorite ones I have ever heard to date. That's precious and so fun. I've actually embroider was on my quarantine list. It didn't, it, I, didn't uh, I didn't get to it. No, no, no. But I think it is so, there's so many different things you could do with it, you know? Yeah. Especially these days, yeah. it's like the trendy thing is to have something embroidered. It is. Well, and all back. those old, yeah, those old fashioned skills. I mean, I've always been one that likes to can and cook from scratch and all that. But it's, I just love seeing the younger ones, you know, my daughter's age and, and my son's wife age in their 20s. They're, they're wanting to learn these old fashioned skills. They're yeah. like new to them, yeah. you know, so. And my generation, it was kind of lost. Like our parents did it, but we didn't really do it. But uh -huh. my mom taught me and my husband and I, you know, we lived on one income for a lot of years. So I needed to can my own stuff, you yeah. know? So I did it, but a lot of my friends did it. But now it's just so fun to see this resurgence of people wanting to do these old fashioned skills. Yes. They call us grand millennials because I'm one of those mm -hmm. who likes to do the things, the old fashioned things. But I have a feeling that your new grandchild is going to have all the precious embroidered things now. 
Like you're oh, set. I think so. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I again cannot thank you enough for spending some time with me today and just giving us truth. I mean, you serve truth the best way I know anyone can about people pleasing, and I cannot thank you enough for it. We needed this so badly. Well, thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.